Welcome to Just Sayin', a podcast produced by and recorded at Tri-State Worship Center. Now here are your hosts, Allison Gardner and Pastor Terry Wagner. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Just Sayin' podcast. My name is Allison Gardner and I'm here with my pastor, Terry Wagner. Hey Allison. Hey, we're also here with our sound... Magician. Uh, yeah, but I used magician last time, well, so I was trying to use something else. It's always that. He's always the magician. Yes, yes, yes. But But like, we need we need more titles too. Illusionist. Mm. That's good, yeah. <laughs> Our sound illusionist, Tyler Staten. Um, And today we are continuing uh, season two. We've been talking about faith. Uh, We covered stuff like capital T, truth, um, atheism, uh, apologetics. And today we are wrapping up our season with uh, Christian living. What does it mean to be a Christian. What does it mean it's to good be a question. Christian? Yeah. It's a good question. I think it is a good question. Just saying. Just saying. Why don't we why don't we answer that? Well, you know, looking at the issues of faith through the lens of scripture, mm-hmm. I would say that I would answer that question by saying, what is a Christian not, or what is not a Christian? I don't know. You might have to edit some of this. Um, <laughs> no, it makes sense. Sometimes to understand what something yeah, is, you, what you also not. have to understand yeah. what it is. It's not keeping rules. It's not doing right things. It's not going to church. Um, someone once said that going to church doesn't make someone a Christian any more than standing in your garage makes you a car. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's not doing, it's not going. Um, but Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved And with your heart, one believes and is justified. With your mouth, one confesses and is saved. So being a Christian is someone who has received, accepted Christ uh, as as their Lord, uh, and they become Christ-like. The word in the Greek actually means Christ-like. So you accept his teachings, you accept his sacrifice, you live your life like him and for him. So... As a noun, to be a Christian is one who professes to believe in the teachings of Jesus and then does their best to, to live that way. A um, couple other scriptures. Acts eleven twenty six 26 says, um, When they found him, I think speaking of Paul here, they brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed uh, there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. And it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians, and that was people that were following the teachings of Jesus uh, the Christ. So um, I think being a Christian is accepting and trying to live out the teachings of Jesus to be Mm Christ-like. Yeah, but it also means that we have been adopted into God's family. Correct. And so we've taken on the identity as children of God. You know, um, Jesus isn't just some teacher that we... We listen to and we're like, yeah, he was a cool prophet, right. you know. Jesus radically changed our lives and uh, forgave our sins. So, uh, yeah, Absolutely. I completely yeah. agree. Um, so, yesterday, uh, the 18th, you preached a sermon. Um, I did. And you said that, you know, you are, um, you are called to be a minister uh, mm-hmm. full-time, mm-hmm. Uh, but not everyone is called to do that. But Correct. we are all called to be ministers of the gospel, right? Correct. That is yes. what you said? Okay. So what does that, what does that mean? How do, we, how do we live that out? 
Well, I think first define the word gospel, Mm -hmm. simply good news, right? The gospel is good news. Uh, What is good news? Well, good news is, is that we were separated from God and Jesus came and he died, was buried and resurrected from the grave so that we can be restored back to him. So that's the gospel. That's the good news, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. So uh, everybody who claims to be a Christian, Christ-like, should be ministers of the gospel, the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. I think we base that on what we call uh, the, the Great Commission found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. And so I, I think that, that what it means to be a minister of the gospel is not that you receive a paycheck, for telling people good news. It's just that your life reflects the good news of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, resurrection, and and why that's good news. It's because we get reinstated back in right relationship with God because of what Christ did. And then Jesus took it a step further, I think, um, and made sure that we were enabled uh, with the ability to be ministers of the gospel when he said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that we were going to receive power Uh, when the Holy Spirit comes, to become his witnesses. And so to be a minister of the gospel is to be a witness of Jesus Christ, and we've been enabled and empowered to do that because of the Spirit that that he sent. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I mean. I mean, not everybody's full-time in the ministry. Not everybody could handle being full-time in the ministry. Not everybody could handle being a pastor. I think that's why it is a calling to be a pastor, uh, I know people who, you know, they think they can. They, well, I could do that. It's not that bad. Well, you've got a couple hours a week where you stand up on stage and, and just say stuff. Um, but it's a, it's a whole lot more than that. So not everybody's called to do that. But everybody is called to be Christ-like. And in being Christ-like, that is to share his teachings, to share that good news, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, let me ask you, Allison, do you think do you think that there is a escape clause anywhere in there that allows us not to be no no i don't i I think that yeah i think that that is a command from god you know if you're gonna believe in me and if you're gonna accept my forgiveness um you know uh and have that faith in me then you know faith without works is dead right uh if we if uh if our um, Christianity, our conversion, um, isn't producing uh, obedience to God and uh, His Word, um, and we don't really know the gospel well or are able to uh, coherently share that with other people, then something is wrong. Yeah, and, so. and I, you know, I don't think everybody needs to be on the street corner with a Bible no, preaching. Yeah. That's, I mean, now. Some people do feel called to do that. They should get busy doing it. I'm just saying that uh, as a believer in Christ, to be Christ-like, we should be sharing that good news. Mm -hmm. And it is good news because without that good news, we don't don't have a prayer. We don't have a hope in this life or the next uh, to to be fulfilled and and to have eternity uh, with with God. And so we, we have to have that gospel. And I don't know why somebody would have that and not want to share that. Right. Yeah. Whether that be 
uh, quoting scripture after scripture after scripture, or just again, I think a couple episodes we we wrapped it up with just tell your story. Mm-hmm. You know that Jesus came to Earth, He died, He was buried, He resurrected, and and this is how it affected my life. Okay, and then you and you could just take it from there. I think you should have some biblical knowledge and how to share that. Um, the Romans Road and and some of the other uh, uh, different mnemonic devices that we use to help us remember. But I think the most important thing is, number one, do it and, and include it in your story. This is just the story of my life. This is what happened. And it's good news because it leads to good things, mm. uh, which is eternity. Yeah. And uh, I think that being in America, uh, you know, it feels like everybody here knows what Christianity is, obviously, because, you know, it was, uh, it was, it's, it's what we're known for. It's what our major religion is, I guess, in the West. Um, but you know, people here claim to know what Christianity is, but they don't know the gospel. I was just getting ready to say, there's yeah. a lot of people that claim exactly. to be Christians. Exactly. Exactly. What is it? Uh, I think the last statistic, it used to be 86%, but I think it has fallen off to like in the upper seventies, 75% of Americans believe, uh, in Jesus and, and, don't you think the the world, or at least America, would look different if they really lived it, yeah. and not just believed it? And and it's like you said, faith without works is dead. It, it's not, and, and I'm not trying, and I don't think you're trying to say, you know, that somehow, some way, works is going to advance our cause, you know, in mm-hmm. Christianity as far as uh, salvation goes. We yeah. can't earn salvation. That's a gift. That's that's something we we receive by grace, but. If I have truly received it, I don't want to keep that to myself, so I want to share that with others. And I think there's a lot of people who say, you know, are you a Christian? Well, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I got saved when I was 12. I said the sinner's prayer. Or I go to church. You've been going to church since my mom, you know, raised me in church. But, yeah. I don't think that's the same as being Exactly, exactly. Those same people, when if you came up to them uh, in, in their job and you said, What's the gospel? Would they be able to tell you what that is? Man. Would they be able to coherently, you know, say what Jesus did, what the impact of that is, um, and what salvation means? Uh, because that is foundational, you know? Uh, it, and, and I think that the, uh, sadly, the onus has to go back to the church, mm. you know, for not teaching yeah, that yeah. greater than we do. Right. Uh, discipleship classes where people learn, you mm-hmm. know, how to how to minister the gospel. And um, I think sometimes we uh, we lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. We lose sight of that. I know I, I confess I do at times. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. I mean, it's, e- it's so easy to living here in America where, um, you know, Christianity has become sort of uh commercialized. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's it's yeah. it's it's really hard, but uh we have to stick to our biblical convictions and uh you know be aware of that. Yeah. So um my next question is what does it mean to be in this world but not of it? What does it mean to be in the world but not of it? Well John chapter fifteen verse nineteen says if you were of the world the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Um, we are travelers. This is not our home. As a believer, as a Christian, uh, we are just traveling through this life. We're living this life to live the next life. And 
the I think one of the problems with too many people who say they're Christians that are not living it out is because we got too attached to this life, to this world. Yeah. And we forget about, you know, this is just a, a dot on the line of eternity. And we have one chance to get this right. And sometimes we get so distracted um, that, that we lose sight of the fact that we're not from here. We're, we are foreigners. Um, we, we will never be accepted the way that we think we should be accepted. We'll never be heard the way we want to be heard because we are not from here. We don't belong here. Um, we belong in heaven. But we also want as many people to go with us as possible. So while we're here, we're ministers of the gospel. And Jesus is praying for his followers in John chapter 17, and here's what he said. He said, they are not of this world. Remember, he's, he's praying to God about his followers. They, his followers, are not of this world, earth, uh, just as I, Jesus, am not of this world, okay? So he, he's not of this world. His followers are not of this world. And, and if we're Christians, if we're Christ-like, then our eternal habitation will be with God, but we are here on this planet for, for a reason, I think, and that is to be ministers of the gospel, here to be ministers of good news of Jesus, um, and what that can mean to someone's eternity. And I think we have to keep, we have to keep laser focus on why we do it. We, we, I think sometimes we know the what, but we don't, we don't realize the why. You know, what are we supposed to be doing? What we're supposed to be doing, we're supposed to be ministers of the gospel, but why? Well, so that people won't die and go to hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can keep that fresh and keep that focus in our minds, then it, it makes it, I don't want to say easier, because I'm not interested in making things easier, but I think it, it makes it more uh, important and more intense when we realize why we're doing it. Yeah. So we're not of this world. We, we were, like you said earlier, we're adopted. Um, we're adopted into a family that's not of this world. Jesus said, I'm not of this world. They're not of this world. They being us. I better get my flow chart out and kind of keep track of what I'm saying right there. But uh, So we're, we're not of this world, but we are in this world. And while we're in this world, we should be sharing this good news of Jesus Christ with people if we realize why we do it, which is to change the trajectory of their future, of their destiny, of, of where they're headed. And when we keep that in the forefront, I think it helps us to stay focused on it. Yeah. But also, um, you know, of course we're doing it so that people will, uh, know the truth and be set free, uh, from the penalty of, uh, sin, but also just because it brings glory to God, because that's what he tells us to do. You know, he is, um, honored and, uh, praised and glorified when, uh, we live that out and we walk that out. Um, and you know, uh, I think it's so easy for us to, um, you know, like you said, get attached to, uh, this world. Um, but first John two fifteen says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the father is not in them. Right. So I think that as we, uh, progress in our, um, holiness and our, uh, strive for that, uh, we're going to become more and more less like the world, and the world is going to hate us right. more and more. Right. Um, and that is our our sign, I guess, that we are doing the will of the Father. Right. Um, well, so. and I think too the uh, you know that internal struggle that we have of of the flesh mm-hmm. against the spirit. 
Uh, and the Bible says if we feed the flesh, then we're going we're gonna to do the desires of the flesh. But if we feed the spirit, then we do the desires of the spirit. And so I think that's an important part of realizing we're not from here, so we got to quit feeding that earthly, fleshly side of us uh, and somehow get our focus more onto the spiritual side of things. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and 17 is one of many instructions that we get out of the Bible, of course, but it says, Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. So here, here's the uh, paradox, if you will, is that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. And we're supposed to come out from among them, the world, but yet our goal is to impact them, mm. right? Our goal is to be ministers of the gospel. And so it really becomes a, a, a challenge that has to be saturated with prayer, saturated with, with reading the word, doing those spiritual disciplines, uh, so, that, so that our lives will be ready to reflect Christ. I mean, if we're going to be Christians, to be Christ-like, reflect him. And uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a, a, a preacher, pastor back in the days of the Holocaust. Matter of fact, he died in a concentration camp, uh, wrote several books. But he, he had this quote that I saw several years ago. He said, your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Now think about that. Yeah. Your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their unbelief. I, you know, we should be able to walk on this planet and people see something different. Um, you know, I know people think, well, if I fit in, it'll give me a better opportunity to witness to people. If I do certain things, it opens up certain opportunities for me to be a better. And no. I think that's a slippery slope. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that that, that you know, just leads to... Um, greater and greater efforts of trying to fit in that too often lead in debauchery and wickedness. And I don't know why I'm pointing to Tyler when I do that. <laughs> Wicked. <laughs> He's the magician. He's the yes. illusionist. Um, he just happens Pagan. to be on my, he, uh -huh. it's, he, it's the left side. I'm left-handed. So okay. that, make, that makes okay. more sense than yeah. anything. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that Bonhoeffer makes an incredible point that's very convicting to me, mm -hmm. that I should be living my life. We should be living our lives so that the unbeliever questions their unbelief just because of the way that I live my life. Mm -hmm. Is yeah. that not being a minister of the gospel? I mean, it is. It, to get yeah. someone to question their unbelief. Right. And so, you know, how, how could that possibly happen uh, unless we understood that we are not of this world, mm -hmm. that, that we're in this world, we're passing through, but we're foreigners here. Uh, and and heaven is our home, and we're trying to impact people along the way uh, from here to there. Yeah. So. Yeah, and uh, bring about uh, His will on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. You know, it's not. Um, we're just we're just uh, passing through, and uh, yeah. we're just uh, we're not going to do anything because God God has something better for us in heaven. Right. No. Um, you know, we have a job to do here. I think uh, Ryan uh, said, or maybe he got it from you. He gets a lot he of things from you. probably did get it from me. You know. <laughs> but he said... Ryan Schneider, who is our youth pastor. Yes. Here. He <laughs> said, um, you know, if God was finished with you um, in salvation uh, after he saves you, 
you would have died at the altar. Yeah. Or uh, he did still that. For he me. did still yes. that. Yeah. Yes. I mean, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, think about it. the ultimate goal. If the ultimate goal was for God just to get us to heaven, mm-hmm. we would have died at the altar. Right. If that was the ultimate goal, but I don't think that's the ultimate goal is for our lives to be changed and for us to get busy working towards other people's lives being mm-hmm. changed. Yeah. God God doesn't, obviously he wants us to spend eternity with him, yes. yes. Um, but if that was the goal, then that's what would happen. We would say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I accept you as the Lord of my life. And then we would have a heart attack. Amen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Drink oh, the Kool-Aid right. and we're <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but, but that is, that's true. So he, he has left us here for a reason. As a matter of fact, um, and I, when I, whenever I repeat myself of something I've said on a previous episode, I wish that someone else was in the room to see the looks that I get <laughs> from the two youngsters in the room. <laughs> so the best way to learn anything is repetition. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wrote. Let's remember that. <laughs> Recently, in the last year, I would say, um, my focus in doing funerals is more about why did God leave you here? God has taken this person, that whoever this is, their life has ended. I, I did the funeral of a 30-year-old who died of a stroke. And I knew that there was going to be you know, a lot of questions in that funeral. But the real question is, okay, the Lord decided that this life is over. Why did he leave us here? And, and I, think, I think people need to get busy trying to figure that out. Instead of trying to figure God out and why God does things the way he does them and, and why God let this happen, didn't let that happen, and why... Let's just figure out why he let us stay here. Why are we still alive? Why, why didn't he take us at the altar when we said, God, forgive me of my sins? And I think if we were more busy and spending more energy trying to figure that out, I think the impact that we could make on the world would be so much greater than it is. Mm-hmm. But instead, we spend so much energy and so much time trying to figure out why did God do this and why did he not do that and why. Listen, the secret things belong to the Lord. Let's just let's get busy trying to figure out why we're here. Everybody comes into this life trying to answer those three questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? And so I know where I came from. Before I was formed in my mother's womb, God knew me. Why am I here? That's you know, I gotta figure that part out. And I think everybody does. Where am I going? Well, I I pray that I live in such a way that that heaven will be my e- eternal home. But while I'm here, I better figure out why I'm here. I'm not here to, to, you know, to become such a great citizen of this world because we're not. We're not supposed to be citizens of this world. We are foreigners. And part of what sets us apart is this belief in Jesus Christ who came to give his life to die for us, was buried, resurrected from the dead, ascended back to the Father so that we could be reconciled with the Father and that our eternal destiny would be with him. So uh, I think if we could keep keep in the forefront of our mind, we're not just here to, you know, kind of occupy 70 years and then see you later. But we are here for a purpose, and, and we need to get busy figuring that out. Right. Um, so how does our faith uh, practically carry over into every aspect of our life, you know, uh, whether that be family, politics, um, jobs, whatever? Yeah. Well, I think the classic definition of faith, of course, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And I have paraphrased that to say that faith is living your life as though God's telling you the truth. 
in his word, the promises and the judgments of his word are true. And I want to live my life as though God is telling me the truth. If that's the case, uh, I must become, that must become my mindset. Faith is God's telling me the truth. God's telling me the truth becomes my mindset. When that becomes my mindset, it should impact and affect and change every aspect of my life, every aspect of my life. That mindset should be uh, apparent in those uh, aspects of life, whether it's a, a job, school, church, relationships, whatever it might be, the fact that I'm living my life uh, thinking that God is telling me the truth, that's going to change everything. Yeah. It's going to change everything. And people, uh, I think, become, uh, I'm going to use the word unstable because I'm going to use that scripture here in just a minute, when they think that their life can be lived in a dichotomy yeah. or bifurcated. Yeah. Ooh, man. Wow. Too Is big that a real there. word? Yeah. <laughs> uh, where they say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I have a secular job. Yeah, compartmentalized. Yeah, you can't. Listen, uh, James chapter 1, verse 8 tells us what happens when we try to do that. Uh, our loyalty is divided between God and the world, and we are become unstable in everything that we do. Yeah, that goes back to loving the world. Yes. Yeah. yeah and, and so we have to come out of the world. Yeah. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And if I live my life by faith that Jesus Christ died for me and that my acceptance of that is the, is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen, and I live that way in my life, that becomes my mindset. It changes, it changes how I raise my children. Hmm. It changes what I do with my money. It changes how I pursue relationships with people. It changes how I pastor a church. Yeah. If if that's how I live my if that becomes my mindset. The problem is is that we have so much instability going on because people don't have that laser focus. They don't have that single mindset. What did Romans 12, 1 and 2 say? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service or your worship, depending on which translation. But then verse 2 says, no longer be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by attending church more regularly, <laughs> reading your Bible more often, praying more often. No. no. It says by changing the way you think. And how do you do that? You have to change the way you think. The Bible says that the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. The word sound mind, the phrase there, comes from a Greek word where we get the word discipline from. Hmm. Well, how, how does discipline work? Do you, Allison, let me ask you a question. Do you pray for discipline and then it just falls on you like a spiritual gift? No. No. Tyler, I know you're the illusionist. <laughs> I know you're the magician, and I get that. But can you? Do we just pray for discipline? No, no. We ha, what do we have to? We got to apply ourselves. Yeah, we we learn we learn it. It's in, that, in yeah. a sense. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's trial and error. But I think you know, and I'm not sure the scripture that that says this, and you, I'm sure you will. But well. you know, it in in all that we do, in everything we do, we should do it as if we're doing it. First Corinthians ten thirty one. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Allison is the walking Bible. <laughs> no. <laughs> Allison.com. I wish. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And, um, you know, I feel like when we com start to compartmentalize our faith or create that dichotomy, um, you know, we forget that 
the Bible talks about every aspect of our life. Mm -hmm. It has all the answers. Um, You know, you struggle with infertility. It's in there. You struggle with uh, adultery. It's in there. You want to know how you should vote. It's in there. Um, What's God's view of the family. It's in there. Uh, Financial needs. It's in there. Um, We're not left here without any um, source of how to live. Right. You know, he gives us what we need. We have it all. Um, and yet we, we just leave it out, you know, like I'll be, I'll be a Christian when I do devotions with my family, but then I'll go and watch this, um, R rated movie that has just so many bad things and just forget about my faith in that, that, that makes no sense. And I think that, um, our culture, you know, even just reading, I'm in, I'm taking a political science class this year and the way it talks about, um, demographics and, uh, you know, evangelicals identify with the Republican party because it's consistent with, uh, whatever, whatever, uh, you know, Catholics identify with the democratic party because blah, blah, blah. And it just reinforces the idea that religion is only one part of you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just a box that we check. Of course, I'm a Christian. I live in South Point, Ohio. Right. You no. were a tri-state worship center. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's not that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's it's life changing. It is who we are. Um, so it's just frustrating and to if, me. And, and it's a great point, Allison. If it's not life changing, yeah, then you're doing something wrong. Right. Right. It's not God's fault. It's not God's fault that we take the certain things of life and compartmentalize it and say, well, I'm going to live by the Bible and, and all of this over here, I'm pointing towards Allison, <laughs> but then I'm not going to live towards you know, what the Bible says over here. Yeah. And, and what, that hap- what happens is exactly what James tells us. Then mm-hmm. you're going to become unstable. unstable in all of your ways. Yeah, inconsistent. Absolutely. You know, Christianity, if we live by the Bible and if we... Um, uh, obey its commands and know it well. It is the only consistent worldview out there. Yeah. The only one that you know we. Well, why do you have a moral standard? Because God said so. Right. Because it's in there. Atheists, they don't have that. You know, right. we're just uh, evolutionary beings who descended from a worm or whatever. <laughs> and so, where does that moral standard come from? Uh, man-made. Right. Yeah. That makes no sense. Where, yeah, where does good come from? Yeah. They, never, they can't answer that exactly. question. We have a consistent worldview, and uh, we should utilize that, yeah, stick absolutely. to that, know yeah. it well, be able to defend it. I tell, I tell, I, I do a lot of marriage counseling, premarital counseling, and after marriage counseling. Uh, and there's not one couple I meet with that I don't tell them this, and that is every answer of every problem, of every issue that you're ever going to have, you'll find in the Bible. Mm. You'll find the answer in the Bible. I don't care what it is. You'll find the answer. And if we, if we could understand how consistent that worldview really is, here's something. Um, uh, Steve Jobs, the mm-hmm. developer of or creator of Apple, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which I saw a meme the other day of him arriving in heaven. Which I'm not saying he did because I'm <laughs> not the judge. But uh, one of the uh, uh, St. Paul or St. Peter at the, and he's like, well, the last time we had an apple here, it didn't turn out very good. Uh. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we are uh, apple-stolic here at Tri-State Worship Center. We are an apple That's environment true. for sure. Uh, this podcast good. is currently being recorded Correct. onto a MacBook. Right. Yes. With all of our iPhones right. and an iPad, <laughs> an iPad recording our time. <laughs> so true, so true. But every everything that, every answer of every issue that we 
confront in life is found in the Word of God. So Steve Jobs, he he I don't know how many people know this, but he never had to decide what he was going to wear today. He had the same outfit. You always saw him in the little cropped turtleneck. Turtle yeah. Huh. So you open his closet, it's the same outfit. It just he never had to Sounds not, like a cartoon. Well, it does. <laughs> and, and I'm I'm not saying I'm Steve Jobs, but I'm a little bit that way. Um, like when it comes to food. I yeah. I go to a, a local restaurant that has real oatmeal. Mm-hmm. And I've been there enough times that when I walk in, they don't ask me what I want. They just bring it to the table. Because they <laughs> yeah. know what I'm I'm gonna get the same thing. Yeah. And you say, well, why? I'm saying that because how awesome it is to have a worldview that's biblically based. I don't have to think about all the other stuff. It's reliable. Yeah. It's yeah. always there and exactly. it's always consistent. Yeah. All the decisions really have been made for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I just have to seek God and seek his word. And and I think it's easier. Mm-hmm. I know that might not that might <laughs> not rest well with some people, but it just it seems easier. If I just live with that biblical worldview and consistently live with that view, not compartmentalize. Well, and it say, is. Um, it is easier if you've gone through the process of right. renewing your mind. Yes, you know you can't live in the same way and think in the same way and then expect this to come easy. Right. There has to be a change that takes place. Well, like I said, if 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 your life hasn't changed since salvation, then there's a good chance you didn't get saved. Mm-hmm. I know. Again, I know that sounds harsh. Uh, it's not necessarily my plan on, the, on this podcast yeah. is to sound harsh, but it's the truth. Yeah. It will change your life. I am currently sitting in this chair being a minister of the gospel. Having a biblical worldview, <laughs> being Christ-like, will change your life and change the trajectory of your destiny. And you will, if you do it and do it the way God plans for us to do it, you will never be the same, ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now let me take up an offering. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. We don't take up an offering at Tri-State Worship Center. All right. So um, let's skip down to uh, what are signs that our faith is stagnant. I want to hit on that. Oh, boy. You know what? That would almost take a whole other, well, several other podcasts. But uh, signs that our faith has become stagnant. Well, I think spiritually... um, we're composed of three aspects, and that is relationships, values, and life's purpose. Those, those three things make up who we are spiritually. So if I want to look for signs that my spirituality has, has kind of hit a lull or a plateau or, or, or become stagnant, um, I would see relationships deteriorating, both vertical relationships and horizontal relationships. I would see a lapse in my values my convictions would no longer be driving me like they should. Um, again, you you mentioned about political parties and voting. Your, yeah. your convictions should drive you, not not pocketbooks, not benefits, not entitlements, not anything like that. Your convictions, and that's why I've always said, don't vote politically. Vote biblically, mm. biblically. And so, if we see a lapse in our values, our convictions are are being um, weakened, we can see that as a sign that our faith has become stagnant. And then if we seem to lose our way in life, if we just seem to be treading water, that's, a, that's an indicator um, that, that our spiritual life could be stagnating. But here, here's what you need to know is that I don't see any place in this, in this thing called Christianity where there is a 
rest area as far as a place where you grow to a certain point, you stop and wait for two years before you grow any further. I think it is a consistent growing process of us producing fruit and, and doing things that, that are going to benefit the kingdom and being gospel, uh, ministers of the gospel. And when you see those things beginning to uh, become lax in your life, well, that's a good, that's a good uh, indicator that your faith has become stagnant. And uh, I don't want to leave it right there. I would say <clears throat> at that point, you better start praying. You better start fasting. You better start reading your Bible. You better start surrounding yourself with some people who can speak truth to you, not just pat you on the back and say, oh, you're all right. You're all right. God understands. Uh, but you better, you better make sure that once you recognize it has become stagnant, that you don't compartmentalize it and say, well, I'm going to put that over here and we'll, we'll fix that later. This will be, no, you, you got to get busy. You got to get to work, praying, fasting, Bible reading, uh, doing whatever you can to, to re-energize and, and, to, and to get going again. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that uh, a, a really special sign is whenever you are in those situations where, you know, you know what you're doing is wrong. Right. And that, convi- like you said, that conviction, the Holy Spirit uh, dwelling in us uh, should be uh, the thing that drives us to reject that and to know whenever that is wrong. And whenever we feel that being silenced, you know, and just feel ourselves giving into that even more. I think that is a definite sign that uh, we're not involved in the things yeah. that we should be. I, I shared the story yesterday in, in the message about Samuel and Eli. Mm-hmm. You know, Eli was a, a priest. Uh, Samuel was a priest in training, if you will. And some of, some people may remember the story that Samuel kept hearing a voice. He, he would get up and go into Eli. Hey, did you call for me? And Eli like, no, go back to bed. And he went back second time again. You call for me. Eli says, nope. The third time Samuel hears that, he goes in. And, and the way I read that, Eli realizes that Samuel is hearing a voice he hasn't heard in a long time. That, 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 that Samuel's hearing that voice that Eli has not heard in a long time. And I think that's when, mm-hmm. when Eli probably realized, hey, my, my faith is probably stagnant. Yeah. And then he says to Samuel, next time you hear that voice, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant listens. And, and I think that we all need to just learn from that one, and there's several, there's hundreds of examples like that. But there's one that says even a priest, right, even a priest can get to a point where if, if you're not constantly um, maintaining the relationship and, and feeding the relationship, that you can get to a point where it's like, wow, other people are hearing voices that I haven't heard in a long time. And, uh, and and I do think that when we become um, not not as sensitive to, towards the things of this world that, that we should be, uh, that's a big that's a big big sign uh, that hey something's not right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that we have considered to be okay now that we didn't think was okay ten years ago or five mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. I mean, come on. Well. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. There was a shout out to uh, Larry Medcalf. Well. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what, um, on the other side of that, what are some signs that our faith is growing? Well, uh, you know, I, I picked one particular uh, answer, even though there's probably more than one. Uh, we know how we're, our faith is growing because of the fruit that we produce. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I think that's the key indicator. Um, probably the most convicting uh, that I've ever felt in my life 
a little book called Secrets of the Vine written by, um, I think his name is Rick Wilkerson. I can't remember what his first Wilkerson. I know is Wilkinson. Bruce Wilkinson. That's it, <laughs> Bruce. You know, Bruce, Rick, sounds all the same. Close enough. Uh, and he talks about the grapevine, how that you can look at a grapevine and it can have these big flourishing leaves on it, but you lift the leaves up and there's no fruit. They look really good, but you lift it up and there's no fruit. And he compares that to John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he says there's, there's four levels of fruit producing. No fruit, fruit, and if you, if you read First, uh, First John, or I'm sorry, John 15, I think it's 1 through 20, you'll see these four levels. No fruit, fruit, some fruit, much fruit. And, and, in, and I, I'm reading this book, and when I got to that section, I was so convicted. Um, I probably shouldn't confess that I was in a car, but I was. I was in a car. I had to pull over the side of the road. I was so convicted because you can look good. Right, but if you're not producing any fruit, so what? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have, uh, in the words of one author of a book that I read, you can have big screens, skinny jeans, and fog machines. <laughs> I just wanted to say that, uh, and you can look good. You can you can put it out there in a very professional, theatrical, but if you're not producing any fruit, so what? Yeah. And, and so I think Galatians chapter five, twenty two and twenty three, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that that's, that's where we, I think that's the number one way we can measure how we're growing in our faith is by the fruit that we're producing. Right. Uh, one of the ways that I've seen it in my own life is becoming increasingly dissatisfied with worldly mm, yeah, things. Yeah. You know, like... I have been trying to uh, read the Bible first thing I do when I wake up and first thing I do, last thing I do when I go to bed. Um, And, you know, I've been trying to do that consistently. um, And uh, it's been awesome. It's been great. And, you know, you go to bed and wake up with that peace and uh, it changes the way you live. And last night... Um, I didn't do it for the first time in a while, and I just was scrolling through Facebook instead, and I could feel just, like, the difference. Mm-hmm. It was it was awful, and, you know, I think just uh, that's what it's, this what comes with. That's what holiness comes with is, uh, you know, you watch a movie, and uh, there's some bad stuff in it, and uh, you feel convicted about something you've never felt convicted mm-hmm. about before. And I think that's a really telling sign that, you know, uh, you're maturing and you're growing and yeah. it's good. And and when and when that happens, if I can use yeah. you as the example, when that happens, it's not the end of your relationship right, with God. Right. You know, yeah. you just realize, hey, I know how important this is. And, and some people think I oversimplify uh, things, but I'm a simpleton in, in, at heart. I just that's the way I am. Uh, I think that our thought life comes from two different places. I think our thought life comes from God or the devil. The illustration that I use consistently to make the point is first thing in the morning, alarm goes off, and your first thought is, uh, I don't want to get out of bed. And, and I would say, do you think God wants you to 
think that way. No. Of course not. The devil wants to just very first thing in the in the morning, let's just jump on him and say, you don't want to get out of bed. So you hit the alarm clock with a sledgehammer and you go back to bed. <laughs> but if if we're consistent about that, then we, we also realize that there, there are convictions that are coming from the Lord that are things that we need to embrace and let them change our lives. But then there are some thoughts from the enemy that says, hey, a quick look at Facebook's not going to hurt anything, yeah. right? And sometimes we, we, we all, not Allison, Allison's just brave enough to say that that's what happened to her last night, yeah. which may be why we were feeling the way we felt before we started. Maybe. This is all your fault. I mean, <laughs> could be. No, just kidding. I, I'm glad you're here. Matter of fact, I, let me just pump the brakes right here. And I was going to say this at the very beginning. We only have 45 seconds left. So um, I am so proud to be in this room with two people that I know they love the Lord and I know it's their desire to do everything we can to get a message out uh, to tell people, hey, this God can help you. Mm-hmm. And Allison, you know, with your workload and your school load and all the other things that a 17-year-old goes through, but yet for you to be able to be here every Monday I uh, still go back to Labor Day. We were here <laughs> 8 o'clock in the morning on Labor Day because Allison said, what else are you going to do? Get in here. Let's record this thing. You don't have to go to work. <laughs> and Tyler, with your, with your just incredible uh, skill set that the Lord has given you uh, and what you use it for, it just I'm proud to be in the room with you guys. And I wanted to say that at the beginning, but it just didn't work out. So I'll say it now. And I, and I say that because... I think that's one of the ways we see that faith is growing is that people uh, begin to focus more on the things of God. And, and it doesn't mean we don't have setbacks. We all do. I do. But in the setback, we realize, hmm, yeah, I don't want I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it God's way. Yeah. I don't want to compartmentalize it and set it over here and say, I'll deal with that later. No, God, search my heart. And if you find something in me that's not pleasing, then reveal that to me so that I can repent and, and turn away from those things and live my life with this biblical worldview that, that allows me to just be consistent in everything that I do so that my life as a Christian will cause the unbeliever to question their unbelief. Wow. Yeah, I that tied it all up there, didn't I? That was a great way to wrap it up. Man. Yeah, I like well, that. Let, well, let me say this, and, and I think that this the way this is happening, the way it has come together, and I think I could probably speak for Allison with this too, is... is I think a, a good reflection of the leadership that we have mm-hmm. um, oh, in our pastor, it. and yeah. I and I mean that I know with all mean. sincerity. I'm not just saying that because you said nice things about me, <laughs> but, but just in and this kind of even goes back to what we were talking about earlier, and in, in the way that you, um, the way that you show your faith, um, and in the way that you um, seek uh, after those that are lost and try to lead them to the Lord, and and this is just yet another way to do that. Yeah. And when it was brought to you, you're just you're just like, yeah, let's do it. This yeah. is yeah another avenue, another I, way. I did say, Allison, you're gonna have to make this <laughs> yeah. happen. I do want to do it, but Allison, you have to make it happen. And she did. She did she absolutely. Did. We and, did. And I think yeah. And this is this is a, a culmination of talents and yeah. just that fire. Yeah, the to, desire the to desire be obedient. To be yeah. obedient, right. to to do whatever it is we can to reach those that are lost and dying. And, yeah. And I think it's just an awesome thing yeah. to see that come together. Yeah. I feel privileged to be here. I don't Absolutely. know about you all. I mean, I do know because you just said it, but... Well, oh, and I forget sometimes that Allison's only seventeen. Right, she's so yeah. much smarter than yeah. me, <laughs> and and well versed, oh, you know, yeah. biblically, and and it 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 kind of challenges well, me to be to. 
to be better and to be more. She didn't get that just by scrolling through Facebook. Exactly. She got that by applying herself to exactly. uh, becoming informed and learning yeah. about what she believes and why she believes it. And it comes out in in the conversation. And again, I've had so many people that have said to me, man, I, I don't know if I know who that Allison girl is, but she really is good. Yeah. She's good on, on the podcast. So thank you to both of you. And thank you to me. <laughs> Thank me. Thank me. <laughs> Most of all, thank God. Yeah, amen. 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 All the glory. Um, but yeah, let's. I think that that just about wraps it up. I think think that was really good. Um, this is the end of season two. Know, we crazy. have a lightning round left. Coming up next, it's uh, insane. Next, yeah. yeah, and somebody needs to send in some some questions yes. for that lightning. T yeah. Wagner nine seven seven at gmail dot com. That's it. Listen, y'all, send in your questions about really anything. And they, you know, they can be. We don't have to mention names or anything no. like yeah, that. No, whatever yeah. we did last time. No, we did. Except for Eric Rutherford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was our year. Indianapolis Colts. I'm wait a minute. Oh, it was the Pacers. It was Pacers. Right yes. Yeah. Sorry. Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you say that, and he never, he does. never does. He leaves no. it in there. Well, that's because he knows that I. That's a mistake on my yeah. part. Got to put it in there. <laughs> yeah. I like it too. I can't, ever, I can't have everybody thinking he's perfect. No. Wait a minute. Did you hear what she said? <laughs> I like it too. <laughs> Listen, I've messed up. Do you remember when I said, see y'all next week? And my voice cracked. Yeah, no. He yeah. left that in there. Yeah, well, I, sure I don't did. remember. I thought it was cute. <laughs> Same. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, make sure you send your questions in for the lightning round next time. Um, and we will see you next week. See ya.